Well, I want to talk about how our self-discovery makes us more prone to uh, to good, like a good community involvement. Because if we don't know ourselves truly, then we won't be able to interact with others truly. I think this is a theme of a more conservative political ideology, that the way to a better community and society as a whole is through individuals to become their best selves. And I think it's one of the strongest arguments within conservative ideology. Is there an inverse of that that's like a liberal interpretation? Ooh. Yeah, I'd say the whole focus on the empathetic and the like equality of outcome is like the antithesis of that. The group. The group yeah. supersedes the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go back to that quote a little bit where it talks about lighting the darkness, and in a sense it talks about understanding who you are a little bit because by learning who you are and individuating yourself as a person, you can contribute to the whole from the standpoint of the individual. That stands to be the most important part. I don't like to quote the Bible too much, but I am here. Um, there's some a certain passage that goes like, make sure you take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye. And I think a lot of the bad parts of the liberal side of the politics nowadays is focusing on like what other people could be doing better and not what you yourself could be doing better. Mm. Yeah. So how can we improve ourselves in order to, I mean, what aspects of ourselves do we need to improve in order to make a better impact on the community? Um, I think the problem is that we view the world in absolutes and like certain traits being absolutely, like I said before, that empathy being absolutely the most positive value value instead of like sympathy for your own needs. And that's kind of, like you said, that's kind of in the conservative liberal dichotomy, but I think what Carl Jung presents as the big path in life towards self-improvement is what he describes as the individuation process. Um, now, I am no psychologist, so I don't have a complete picture on it, but the ind- individuation is described as the final stage of life that people go through. You have infancy, early childhood development, adolescence, your teenage years and all that, and there's a stage beyond that called individuation. And that's the period where, as I understand it, you begin to separate from identifying with groups, your family, um, more or less things that are external to yourself, and then begin developing a real strong sense of self based on your own values, your own distinct, uh, you know, viewpoints on the world. Yeah, there's this thing uh what most people like most identify with is the ego and that is like our projection outwards of who we imagine ourselves to be and a big problem is people only identifying with that and suppressing all the other sides so your ego has certain values that you like and the other sides of those dichotomies of values get suppressed into your unconscious and it prevents you from being like a full person and seeing all sides of everything. I like the way Jung describes the ego. He calls it the persona. And the process of individuation is when the persona realizes that it is actually the self. And that that sounds like a weird statement when you say it like that. But the persona is 
like Addison said, who you are externally. Your persona is who you are when you go out. You're like, hey, what's going on, man? I'm rich. Nice to meet you. I'm this, I'm that. I'm different things to different people. But at the end of the day, there is a self that is not reflected and that no one can see because I am always being seen externally in a sense. I've heard the persona described as the mask that we put on when we socialize with the outside world. And I think a lot of the individuation process is about people learning to realize that they are more than the mask that they put on, that they have a deeper self than just that mask. And a lot of issues, a lot of conflict that people have in their lives comes from over identifying with that mask, thinking that that's who they are. And when um, that comes in conflict with reality, they um, can act negatively, act harmfully towards their environment. The most um, like telling example of this, not example, I guess, but you'll see, um, <laughs> is that there's the shadow, which is like the opposite of everything you present to the world is is shown in the shadow of your personality that is like supposedly in your unconscious and you're trying to like bring that to light and that's the first stage of individuation but before you bring that to light the shadow is all those things that you don't like about yourself that you don't want to admit to yourself that you have and a lot of times you'll project that on the other people and that that's a big part like and you don't realize why you hate that person so much but it's because they like embody everything you hate about yourself so what do we do with that? How does that actually, is there an example you can give about how that might manifest itself in the real world? I mean, let's say I do know everything about myself that I dislike, then what do I do? Mm -hmm. Well, then you try to see the good in those traits that you dislike. And understand the role in them. I yeah. think one of the most classic examples of a shadow archetype um, attribute is aggression. A lot of people do not want to express their aggression to the outside world. They do not want their aggression to be incorporated in their persona, what they put out to the rest of the world. And so people, you know, think, oh, that's not me. They, they don't even really realize that part of themselves. They push it back and suppress it deep into their subconscious. And then it comes out unintentionally through, say, passive aggressive behavior um, or getting really mad at somebody for, you know, some reason. That's not a great example. Well, here's a decent example. So if you're somebody who is suppressing your aggression because maybe you see yourself as a nice person, someone who's kind, someone who isn't mean to others, and then somebody near you is aggressive, you're like, what a douchebag. Who is that guy? How dare they? You get very offended. You get very angry. You get very irritated. Whatever they did hit a part of you that bothers you. And a lot of times we don't know why. We just go, asshole. But that's, that's an example of when the shadow is showing itself. And a lot of times we just don't realize it. So you're saying by becoming aware of the darker parts of us, that allows us to become more individuated. It, yes. it, it actually, that process improves yeah. ourselves. And the whole, the whole individuation process is bringing, is like bringing the unconscious parts of you to light and realizing how large a role your unconscious plays in like every action you take. So is there a process we can use? I think a lot of cultures in, you know, many, many years past have had this sort of initiation process of a transition from childhood to adulthood, which might mark something like you guys are talking about, which is like an individuation process. So do we need something like that? Or is there a process that we can follow to actually, you know, 
do this and really understand ourselves? I'd say that first I want to say that those uh, coming-of-age things, those are a little bit different. That's like a childhood into adulthood, like you becoming your dependent. That's not. That's like the first stage of individuation. The young usually says that individuation comes at like a much later stage of life, like past 35, but it's not like impossible to start it before them. But the process you, the like you're saying like, what can we do the process that we can achieve it through? I'd say it's just the, the hero's journey pretty much, which is just like realizing that you have to dig within yourself to overcome the obstacles that you face in life. And that's the thing about archetypes is they're archetypal, so everyone has them, but e- every single person has them expressed differently and uniquely. So there's no process just for you because you can kind of get this, you can get the archetypal idea of it, but it's going to manifest in your life in a completely unique way that will no one else will be able to tell you how to do. Um, although I do enjoy watching movies <laughs> and then trying to identify with the antagonist because a lot of times we just, you know, protagonist has the traits that we like and the antagonist is the douchebag (laughs) but if you watch a movie and you actively say i'm gonna try and side with the antagonist it really is kind of eye-opening and that's one of the marks of a really good movie is when they have a really good antagonist you can see like from their point of view why they would be doing these quote-unquote evil things i think um what we're a lot of what we're describing is what young describes is integrating the shadow and that's really the first big part of of the individuation process is beginning to confront the fact that these darker attributes are a part of who we are and not just a part of who we are but they play an important role that there's a reason why we as humans have the capacity for aggression for cruelty for anger all that that those are tools that we have to interact with the world and survive and achieve the things that we want and that all these things usually have a healthy means of expression. That there are going to be times in life where aggression is necessary. And if you've suppressed it into your unconscious because you're afraid of it and you don't want people to see you as a bad person, then you're not going to be ready to handle those sorts of situations. So I find a lot of integrating the shadow is coming to understand what are the roles that these emotions play in my interaction with society. Usually I just go around and punch babies. Yeah, I was thinking, right? Like <laughs> old ladies on buses, babies. How many how many things can we punch? <laughs> Aggressiveness is one of the, the largest ones that is like put into our unconscious today. I know for me that's a big one. Uh, when I was little, I was had quite the temper tantrums. I don't mean like little, little. I mean like pre-K. I actually got thrown out of a daycare for throwing chairs at kids oh my gosh wow and, uh, this is so <laughs> like not intense. like you i know that's what i'm saying i feel like from like once i like became more of a conscious individual i like realized how bad that was and i suppressed it but i suppressed it way too far yeah. and like sometimes i'll notice when i get when something makes me irrationally angry i'll just like something will come over me like and I, it's like basically the shadow coming over me where I'm like super, um, what's the word? Like I show my emotions a lot. Like usually I'm pretty poker faced and I just get, and like really aggressive and 
like touchy and everything and everyone hides their babies and grandmothers yeah <laughs> i remember when i was in uh, military school it was you know of course we're locked in boxes all day and so uh it's just a bunch of guys and a lot of testosterone and so there was fights that would occur all the time and so you know i would practice on the wall my my punching skills and uh, there was a spot in my shower where there was a metal sheet that was about you know maybe a quarter of an inch thick and it had a bunch of dents in it from my hands just punching it so i would go in there practice my punching skills and then i'd go out and i'd fight different people and uh <laughs> you know i think it was a process of really understanding what aggression was and you know understanding that that is a part of me but it's absolutely the worst way to deal with your problems you know and by actually manifesting that version of myself in the world i learned so much about aggression and anger and how to deal with it later in life well i think this is kind of a challenge because in our modern society aggression and particularly physical violence is almost always the bad decision but the reason why we evolved with these aspects of personality is because we we humans evolved in a violent landscape, in a violent nature where aggression was absolutely necessary, where physical confrontation was absolutely necessary. But our society has moved past that in most cases. And so now we've got this deeply ingrained survival mechanism that just doesn't ever really see play very often at all. And I think that that's a real challenge. Yeah. And I think that's primarily what we use sports for really is to like, still practice our aggression so it's there but like we don't have to actually kill anybody i mean one really interesting analogy i heard was uh sports are to war what porn is to sex it's just kind of like a, a virtual enactment but it it goes back to me to teddy roosevelt like tread softly but carry a big stick aggression is this thing that people have to know deep down like you can be aggressive and you you have the capability of being aggressive and you have to practice that through some kind of means to make sure it's still there but you like rarely ever use it and i think um i it's fascinating because i think that a lot of aggression when it does get used it's in response to other aggression if if there comes a time for physical escalation, violence, that kind of aggression. It's usually in response to somebody else who's not handling it well, somebody who's trying to start a fight, somebody who's, um, you know, really bothering somebody, somebody who is dangerous. Um, I just think that's kind of neat that that's what's left over now for aggression is just dealing with other people's. I disagree with a couple things. I guess saying that. It's generally only how dare you <laughs> that it only manifests itself physically yeah, and that it's true. bad because I think aggression today is much, much more nuanced as our society has become as complex as it is. Everybody has become very specialized and specific in working things. And since we're not going to be able to have a bare knuckle brawl, our social environment has become extremely complex. Mm. And like Eric was mentioning earlier, knowing how to use the minimum necessary force to cultivate that aggression within you, it's helpful because it signals to other people that it exists within you and that you are not weak. Yeah. Because someone who doesn't know they can even actually do things that are awful and aggressive, I don't think they're awful actually, mm -hmm. I should take that back. 
Pe- people who don't know that they can be aggressive are not good. They're weak. You have to know that yeah. that's within you, and you can't just push it away. I think aggression is in, in so many ways the root of confidence, the ability to know that you can act in a situation. And um, I think having that sort of in reserve is really important for leadership, is really important for um, letting the people around you know that you can handle a situation. Um, that kind of ties into, um, Blake, you were asking earlier, what are some things that we can do in order to individuate? Um, and for me, I've kind of identified the whole sexual dynamic, that the whole aspect of life, of seeking out a partner, figuring out how to get someone, as being one of the primary mechanisms in which people can learn to individuate. Be- and I'll elaborate on that a little bit. I think that so much of dating, so much of um, that courtship process is expressing personality attributes and more or less getting judged on them by a lot of different people, putting out into the world um, displays of confidence, displays of action, and then being either being rewarded for a healthy and appropriate display or punished um, for a you know, in effect, in a, a, a unwholesome, I don't know, a, a, not a good display. Um, and I think that that's one of the primary mechanisms by which we develop these traits is by we have a 50% of the population to go ju- to have judge us and then be rewarded or be punished. And then one step past that is learning to let go of that whole sort of system, learning to be confident within yourself and not relying and needing the sexual dynamic to be a whole and complete person, I think marks a, um, a, a major point along the individuation. So process. we're going out into the world, we're doing all this stuff, mm-hmm. we're testing our aggressiveness, we're testing all these other shadow self things, mm-hmm. and people are giving us feedback on all this stuff. What you know, let's say we get it pretty good. We're getting good feedback from everybody and things are going well. We think that we've got our shadow self pretty, you know, developed. Yeah, Yeah, we got our shit together. Mm -hmm. So how does that translate into the community? What then, what effects does that have in the community? So I think a big part of individuation and coming into your own archetype is like that probing and seeing where you fit in the society and if you like realize your full potential that is going to be like you're rewarded based on what is what the biggest value you can provide to society is so you'll naturally like evolve in that direction so just by coming to terms with who your true self is and what value you can provide that is like providing the most value for society it seems like a lot of these things, though, aggressiveness being aggression, I guess, being uh, one of them, <laughs> aggressiveness, aggression, uh, you know, they aren't necessarily as present uh, in modern society as they were in the past. You know, we don't actually have to go out and kill animals in order to sustain ourselves. Well, now we have Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so how do these things translate? You know, how how does me being able to harness my aggressive behavior and not act on it how does that translate to the modern world where these things aren't as necessary to have under wraps well the the change of environment is definitely like 
a huge factor that I think humanity has just has to figure out a way to come to terms with. Because I, I don't think we're going to be able to come to terms with it. I think that we are too far away from our, you know, evolutionary environment such that I think life now for humanity is is kind of this shit show of us like struggling and then we die. And then that's okay because you know we're still going to do our best within it. But I don't think it's something we're going to, you know, nail down. Sorry, keep going. I've actually. <laughs> thought this is kind of goes with the aggressiveness i wish we had another uh, another one but uh i'll keep going with it uh i actually think the more we evolve into like a self-sustaining society as far as like the essentials of life become really easy to get i feel like sports are going to become bigger and bigger part of who we are and not just like traditional sports but like anything competitive like video games or chess Hmm. or anything like that because i think those competitive arenas they're not just about aggressiveness they're about like figuring out the weaknesses within yourself and i feel like that's like one of the quickest ways to individuation because you're going along the hero's journey like without hurting anyone really like continuously we're giving lots of people concussions but you know (laughs) yeah it It does seem like human manifestation you know the cultivation of various skills is like what we're moving towards like if we can automate everything then what do we spend our time doing? I guess we spend our time playing instruments and surfing and, you know, all these activities that... Opiates. Opiates, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a good question. Do you think we're going to move towards, you know, as things get easier and easier? Because there is an aspect of life which is like we need challenge in order to stay stimulated. And so will we move towards you know drug use or will we move towards positive things like playing sports there's not enough opportunities for self-development i think drugs are like the obvious way and i think that's why there's the big drug epidemic the opioid epidemic in like the northeast where things are very like Hmm. business is business and this is how you operate also just um people who feel as though they do not have an ability to contribute to society Mm -hmm. people who do not have really have much of a role within society because they're low, uh, like low socioeconomic class, don't have many skills and all of that. These are the people that end up getting really, really hit hard by the and opiate I, crisis. And sorry. I genuinely think this is going to be one of the biggest issues our generation has to face. Because as our society becomes more and more complex, the average intelligence, the average IQ you need to function in society is going up. But the average IQ of humans is not going up at all. So the bar is moving forward, but humanity isn't. So... More and more people will become specialized, yes, but more and more people will be completely unable to function in this economy. And what will they do? And are they going to fill their free time playing instruments, doing things that they enjoy? Maybe, but sometimes they just get stuck in these cycles and loops of they need a job, they need money, what's going on? And we really don't know how to deal with it. The Midwest is a great example. The opioid crisis is huge because I think about 10% of the population has an IQ below 90, and they can't actually function. Like, they can't have a job. They can't even... They can't even work at nonprofit places because they can't do the tasks fast enough. And this sounds pretty harsh, but I'm going to elaborate on that. Um, the The United States military during World War II, um, I think that's where IQ was initially researched um, and implemented. I could be wrong, but I know that the um, military basically did a study to see what is the minimum IQ at which a citizen is is useful within the military. Um, a citizen can do more good than harm. And they found that people beneath um, 84 were, were 
quite literally a drain on the system that that any job that they were put towards you know they would be more of an um uh they would encumber the people there with their ineptitude more than they can contribute and so the u.s military didn't put those people into service and that's terrifying because the military if the military during wartime that need all the resources that they can get say that this portion of society is incapable of of contributing then what what do those people do within society as a whole how do we how do we handle one, one it, it almost sounds mean how do we handle them but also how do we have those people live fulfilling lives and you know have a role to play and sadly this is a big part that gets missed out on in politics because the conservative viewpoint is Everybody can work as hard as they want. Everybody can get the, the life they deserve if they work for it. And then on the liberal side of things, it's everybody is equal. Everybody has the possibility to do anything they want. But nobody's meeting in the middle and, you know, admitting this psychological literature, reading it and saying, there's a space in the middle where both of you guys are kind of right. But what are we going to do about it? Yeah, I think the the solution comes. So the competence hierarchies are the issue where, like, the people that aren't as successful in the established fields fall to the bottom. But I think the answer to that and one that America has been really good at until recently is building up new areas where different competence hierarchies can arise. Basically new fields like computer science was a new field and like not the best example <laughs> yeah not, it, it used to be a good example um, but, but that's a lot of the problem is that the new fields that are opening up are highly technologically rigorous yeah. fields but even like youtube is yeah, people just go on youtube and make videos and become millionaires just through that so i think the answer is to like to meet in the middle between creating new ideas for for like competence hierarchies to arise, like new competence hierarchies, so people can have a chance to uh, to rise, and putting more faith in the individual to meet that accomplishment and rise to the occasion. I think one other solution, and I really don't know how viable this is, and I'm a little pessimistic about it, but it would be nice. Um, one solution is sort of a spiritual renaissance of for for me it's returning well returning not really but moving towards eastern some eastern beliefs that talk about how fulfillment in life doesn't need to come from external things it doesn't necessarily need to come from a job that it can come from within that it can come from understanding yourself that maybe we move as a culture towards not getting so much satisfaction and sense of self-worth from the jobs that we have, from the money that we can produce and the things that we can buy with them, but from seeking internal um, development. And truthfully, that this brings us full circle to that individuation process, which does not rely necessarily on the rest of the world. It's so much about learning to not be reliant on the rest of the world, not getting your sense of self-worth, and life satisfaction from how other people perceive you, but from the sense of self that you generate from within. Of course, that's an, you know, it's easy to talk about those ideas, I know. but to implement them is absolutely, you know, near impossible, especially on a society wide level. And so 
you well, know, we're trying. We have That's to, what we're doing here. <laughs> but we have to be kind of, you know, realistic about how things are going and what systems can we implement right now. Of course, we can say, okay, meditate, you know, 16 hours a day. And that'll solve all your problems. <laughs> it will. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but can you meditate 16 hours a day? And the answer for, you know, 99.9% of the population is no. So I wonder what systems we can implement right now you know, real systems uh, that will show a difference in the problems that we're having, not only with the people with lower IQs, but there's a problem, you know, with people don't even have to society anymore, right? We can just sit in our homes and not, we don't have to contact anyone. I'm so tired of society. Yeah. (laughs) Society is exhausting. And so, uh, you know, we get back to the sense of community, right? Well, community seems like it can solve a lot of these problems. If we can uh, build um, sympathy back into the systems that we have, which has been quite clearly lost, right? People are lay- sitting in their homes. Nobody even knows that they exist and they're not a part of what's going on. And so I wonder how we can use maybe Eastern religion, maybe um, some other structures to re-implement a sense of community so that we care about each other again and can make progress on that front instead of wondering what more institutions we can set up yeah one one really interesting thing that i've been hearing in this conversation is there's kind of like a, a chicken and the egg problem here with uh the community and the individual it's like finding yourself as an individual going through the individuation process can make your community so much better because you can give so much more to your community when you find yourself, you find your talents and things like that. But also at the same time, drastically improving a community, a community being uplifted can help an individual find themselves. So it's like we have this constant interaction between individual and community that's just playing off each other. And as both of them degrade, we get further and further into neither of them being adequate. Well, it's... it's I don't know that um, either are degrading so much necessarily. I, I think I do personally. I have a lot of optimism about how media is some ways in which media is being used to help promote this process. There's a lot of new podcasts out there that are all about self-development, all about utilizing what the newest things we understand about psychology in order to better ourselves. And so I do kind of have a, I have hope towards the new access to resources that people have. I have hope that people will continue to use those things to try and better themselves. And I think, Eric, you hit it on the head. One of the big questions we face is what do we do? How do we help people? And this brings us right back full circle to the very beginning of this podcast. I think the best thing to do to help other people individuate is to seek individuation yourself.